everybody, come on in, grab a seat. Time for church to start. It's good to have you tonight, live streamers. Yeah, I'm pointing at you, wherever you're watching from, it's good to have you. But come on in, uh, kids are with us for uh, worship tonight, so if you have a child, make sure they're sitting with you, not just somewhere in the building, but by you, that would help us out a lot. And by the way, it is youth hangout tonight, so uh, when worship's over, not only do kids go to kids' church, but fifth through 12th grade follows Chamberlain for youth hangout tonight. So uh, they're gonna have a good time, so make sure they head down for that. Um, one quick announcement. One quick announcement, so if I can have your attention real quick. I forgot to say something about this Sunday, so I need to tell you tonight, this coming Saturday, this Saturday, we have a little bit of a work day here at the church. I got a handful of projects that we're going to tackle this Saturday. We're going to meet here at 9 a.m., and I don't know how long it'll be, a little while, uh, and I got projects like there's some decor I picked up that we're going to put up. There are walls that need to be wiped. There's some cabinets that need put together for the kids' church. There's some flooring that needs put back down in the, in the kitchen downstairs that we had to pull up because we had a water thing happen down there. So we got some projects this Saturday. So if that fits any of you, please come on out. Uh, I think Tish is going to come out and give us a, a little bit of a jump start sandwich, breakfast sandwich or something like that. And then we're going to break up in some teams and get some jobs done here at the church. So that's this Saturday at 9 a.m. So if you can come be a part of that, I'd appreciate that. And, of course, I'll tell you a bit more about this, but Love Your Marriage is coming up on March the 1st, and I can't wait for that. So uh, I'll give you some details about that when I come back later on. So how about this? How about we stand up on our feet, uh, look at your neighbor, and say it's wonderful to see you on this Wednesday night. Let them know.
you can entrust your all to. His name is Jesus. So I just encourage you, if you have anything that you've been holding from him, something that you're holding too tightly to, that you should just let go of, just do it. He'll take it from you. You don't have to throw it far away. You don't have to be strong enough to do it. All we have to do is let go. And he will take it from us. Have it all, Lord. We just say, have it all tonight. Have it all. In Jesus' name, you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy of us laying it down. Amen and amen. Well, we are so glad to have you here with us. If you would, go around and greet some of your family of faith and kids and youth. You are dismissed.
good to have you tonight. Amen, amen. It's good to see you tonight. We'll give everybody a chance to get their kids checked in downstairs and, and the youth to youth hang out. So if you're here, you can prepare your tithing offering. Uh, go ahead and, and uh, grab an envelope in the chair in front of you. If there's not one there, wave your hand frantically around and somebody will help you out. They'll eventually see you. Of course, I'm kidding. But they will help you out if you raise your hand. While we're waiting for everybody to get back up from checking their kids in, I will say this. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> how about this? Um, how about this? Real quick. First John says that God is love. And you know, because God is love, you know that God loves you. And let me tell you something. If you really grasp that in your heart, it will change everything. You know, I know, I know it's uh, something that's said so much in the church. God loves you. Well, yeah, yeah, we know that. But I'm, I'm, I don't want you to know it. I don't want you to know it only. I want you to grasp it in your heart. Because if you grasp in your heart that God is love, it's central to his nature, and that everything he does flows out of his love, even correction and judgment comes from love, and you grasp in your heart that he loves you, it'll change everything. It's gotta go from here, and it's gotta take up residence right here. And if you grasp in your heart that the God of the universe who makes all things, including you, loves you as an individual, it changes everything. So if you struggle with the concept of somebody loving you, you struggle with the concept of God loving you, I encourage you to meditate on that. And any time there's ever anything contrary that enters your mind to the love of God, you say, no, God loves me. And you may say, well, he knows me better than anybody, so I wonder about that. Well, he knows you better than anybody. He still loves you. And you got to get it in your heart. Because if you grasp that, it changes everything. Amen? All right. So happy Valentine's Day. God loves you. Even more than I do, and that's hardly even possible, right? All right, let me pray over your tithe and offering if you have something tonight. Lord, we thank you. We can give in, in, as a part of our worship. I pray as we give, Lord, your blessing is upon us. And, and for those that, that, are, that may be in a tight spot financially right now, you pray, I pray you open doors and make ways where there seems to be no way. You, you, you go before them with provision. And Lord, we don't want to be people that are without this day our daily bread. And, and we pray that, that we have that, Lord, provision for the house. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. So if you have something, you can bring it. And while you're... Everybody's doing that. You can get your Bibles out and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, uh, with Valentine's Day, so, so gentlemen, men of the house, 
If you are married or you want to get married or you have a significant person that you're hoping stays with you long enough to get married, amen, one of the best Valentine's Day presents you can have for your spouse or, or your hope-to-be spouse is to let them know that I signed us up for Love Your Marriage because I want to spend time with you. And strengthen our marriage together. Amen. So, love your marriage. That is Friday night, March the 1st. Sign-up sheets in the back from 6 to 9 p.m. We provide dinner for everybody. We also have free child care. It's a free event, by the way. Um, the, the, the theme of the night is, is uh, unity, harmony, and intimacy. Those are the three sessions we have that night. Margaret and I have been working on our session. Uh, the campus pastors will be here splitting that night up. Uh, actually, it, Love Your Marriage actually starts this Friday at Kenton campus, so we'll be there Friday night, and then in two, a week from Friday, it'll be at the Botkins campus, we'll be there for that, then we're last but not least here at Urbana on March the 1st. So, uh, sign up back for that, uh, and uh, that way we can prep in time for food, uh, we'll be checking. If you signed up and you plan on bringing your kids for the child care, we'll ask you about that, so we're, we're prepped for that. But it, and by the way, the, the kids are fed that night with us, and, and uh, as I'm always asked, during the first break, yes, we will have Schuler's Donuts for you. So anyways, um, should make you happy. And if you can't eat that stuff, I'm bringing it anyway. So um, I, think, I think we're ordering Olive Garden that night. That's what's happening. That's what we did last year, right? So yeah, it will be a good night. So please sign up for that. And uh, one of the best ways you can let your spouse know that you love them is to do things that strengthen your marriage together. I'm going to let that pause and sit in on the room for a moment. If you really love your spouse and you say that, then you will actively do things to strengthen your marriage. Because good marriages don't happen by accident. Always remember that. Therefore, I'll even, I'll even say this. I'm going I'm to throw somebody out there. Tom... Who, by the way, on March the 1st of Love Your Marriage, it's his birthday, and he will be 88 years old. Now, listen, listen to this. Let me, let me tell you something. Tom and Pat, Tom's 88. You think by the time you're 88, you wouldn't care. But Tom and Pat are signed up for Love Your Marriage. Because apparently, I guess they will never stop working on their marriage right? They're a great example of that. And by the way, we'll, we'll have some, a donut for Tom for his birthday. Anyways. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, Tori last week for me, by the way, I was in Pennsylvania for my Aunt Marion's funeral, so I appreciate you allowing me to be gone. But Tori jumped in and kicked off a series for Wednesday nights on the fruit of the Spirit. She did a good job. Um, now, before we get to the fruit of the Spirit, she talked about love last week. We're going to jump in on the fruit of the Spirit of joy tonight. But I want to uh, jump in on something she started last week and kick, it, kick that can down the road a little bit. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse number 1. It says that if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... I am a noisy gong or a clamming, clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, 
but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver my body up to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Jump down to verse 13 in that same chapter. So now faith, hope, and love abide or remain. And these three, but the greatest of these three is what? Love. Okay, here's the point and what I want to say. In churches that believe in the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, and we believe in the power of God moving in our life and through our lives, often those churches center on the gifts of the Spirit and often don't talk much about the fruit of the Spirit because we get power-minded. But see, if you notice, 1 Corinthians 13 follows 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Corinthians 12 is where Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. So Paul gets through this business of, of explaining the gifts of the Spirit and how we work together as a body, and then he says, but let me just remind you about something. And he, and he makes a little bit of a list there, kind of highlights some stuff. You can move in the gifts of the Spirit and move uh, mountains with faith and believe you have all power to deal with the devil, but if you don't have love, you're missing the whole point. That is why we as a church believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and we participate in the gifts of the Spirit, but you will hear me talk much more about the fruit of the Spirit and things like the Sermon on the Mount, then you will hear me talk about the gifts of the Spirit, because if you're not grounded in the foundation, then the power things get out of control and lose their place. We get so spirit-gift-minded, but we should be growing, first and foremost, in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You see what I'm saying? So let me, let me show you something. Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 15. Now, it says, beware of false prophets. So this is directly concerning false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their what? Their fruits. In other words, you recognize really what somebody is by what grows from their life or what, what comes from their life. In other words, you can't hide what kind of tree you are. An apple tree can try to masquerade as an orange tree, but eventually it will be found out. Right? Right? So you know somebody, and this is talking about false prophets, but it works for all of us, by what kind of fruit they are. Verse 20, jump down there. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Now, let me, let me make a little side trail right here to help you out a little bit. Prophecy, in this sense, is, is more of the five-fold ministry gift of prophet Ephesians chapter 4, the, the mantle of prophecy, Okay. Listen to me, there's a whole lot of people out there that call themselves a prophet, and you can find all sorts of them on the Internet and YouTube and stuff. <laughs> How you really know if they're of God is 
by the fruit of their life, not by what they say and try to prophesy about, which is why I don't buy much of it that I see. And the reason I don't buy much of it what I see is because I don't know them enough to recognize their fruit. So I'm not going on what they say and call it prophecy. Guard your heart against this stuff. And an election year coming up in November, it's going to be all over the place. Don't watch the internet and go, oh my gosh, prophet so-and-so said, and I guess I'm going to buy into that. If you don't know enough to recognize your fruit, be wary of giving your heart to it. Right? Okay. That's a little side note. Help you out. But verse 21. So it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And watch what this says. It's really interesting. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Whoa. The mark of a Christian life is not that they can do power and gift stuff. The mark of the Christian life is if they're growing the fruit evident of the work of the Spirit in their life. So just because somebody says, man, I, I can prophesy in the name of Jesus, I'm like, that's wonderful, but let me watch your life and see if you're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you're not growing in, notice Jesus said you'll know a tree not by its gifts. You'll know a tree by its fruits. So I want us as a church to move and practice the gifts of the Spirit. But I would much rather you grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Because you can think you're moving in the gifts and miss the whole thing altogether. You see what I'm getting at? There is a basis that we work from. So someone who's, let me put it this way. A new belief, so the fruit of the Spirit is evident of the activity of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. The gifts of the Spirit are able to be active in a believer's life after the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is subsequent work of salvation. So it's kind of like this. Think about it this way. If I just received Jesus yesterday, and today I was in fear with the Holy Spirit, at that moment, I am open to the operation of the gifts of Spirit in my life. Is that true? I can prophesy because I'm in fear and the Holy Spirit distributed it to me, but that has nothing to do with whether or not I've been growing in the fruit of the Spirit. I just got saved yesterday. You see what I'm getting at? You're recognized by your fruit, not by the gifts, because you don't have to be infilled with the Spirit moving the gifts to be saved. But your life, as you grow in the faith and grow in Jesus, will be evidenced by the growth of the fruit of the Spirit. So don't tell me what you can do in the power of God. Show me the walk of your life. That's what I'd rather see. That, that is why, as a pastor, I'm not so free to give people positions and status and do this. I, I, you know what I'm doing? I'm watching. Don't tell me, tell me all the gifts you have. 
I want to see the walk of your life. You see what I'm getting at? So the fruit of the Spirit are foundational things that are evidence of the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life that are really the marks of the Christian faith. So Galatians chapter 5, let's go to verse number 19. Now, the works of the flesh, and this is a contrast to fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh are evident. And, and as Tori said last week, it, I, I thought she said it really good. I liked it. She said the works of the flesh are actually common. That's true. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now, whenever Paul makes a list, it's never an all-inclusive list, but he's listing some things that, uh, that may be things that were brought up with the believers that were uh, in uh, Galatia at the time. But he's saying, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, it's sort of a little list of different sin. As a believer, you are to recognize the sin. You've been set free from sin and your forgiveness. Now let's work in our life with the power of the Holy Spirit to stay out of these things. Right? Don't, don't, don't jeopardize your acceptance into the kingdom of God because you want to satisfy your flesh with things like this. It's not worth it. But notice the conjunction word right here, those of you guys that are English majors, but. So this is the opposite. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And he says that because the book of Galatians is dealing with the law of Moses and, and, and people uh, trying to be told to live in it, and then he's telling you you're free from it and all that business. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let's also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So the works of the flesh that Paul lists, they said, but the fruit of the Spirit is of the Spirit in keeping step with the Spirit. In other words, they contrast one another. Now, what's interesting is Paul lists this uh, list of uh, works of the flesh, and then he lists the fruit of the Spirit. There's not like, okay, the first uh, works of the flesh and then the first fruit of the Spirit, they contrast each other. He didn't break it down that way. But here's the thing. <clears throat> If you want to be free from sin and the works of the flesh in your life, it's not just being forgiven of it and trying to stay away from it. You must grow something in its place. And one of the reasons that we fall back into our sin so much is because we're not growing forward. Notice Paul didn't give this list and say, now just do your best to stay away from it. The opposite of the works of the flesh is to grow into the things of the Spirit. You see that? 
To stay out of the flesh involves growth. If there's no growth, you'll fall back into it. The opposite is growth. <clears throat> and notice the things that, that he lists that are of the growth of, of the spirit, of keeping in step with the spirit. A list of things, <clears throat> if you really look at it, those fruit are not just about you, but it's also about how then you interact with other people. Love, joy, peace. It's not just for your heart, but how you interact with other people. Patience, that's about other people. <clears throat> Kindness, that's about other people. Goodness, other people. You see what I'm saying? <clears throat> so the Christian life is never just a self-centered life, but it's a life that's outward moving. But in other words, we are called to be people who are growing in the things of God. John chapter 13, we'll come back to, to joy in just a second. Let me show you something. John chapter 13. Somebody can grab me a water, please. My throat is like getting all scratchy. <coughs> Excuse me. John chapter 13 and verse 35. By this, and this is Jesus talking, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you do what? If you what? Love one another. Notice, thank you. Notice that we're not known as disciples of Jesus, again, because of how we move in the gifts of the Spirit. Notice, did you crack this open? Oh, I was going to say, this is already cracked open. I'm not sure I want this. All right. Anyways, thank you. Yeah. Floaties <laughs> yeah. in it already. Anyways, um, you know that she's one of those people in the very last sip of water, she won't drink it. I'm like, it's your own backwash. What are you worried about? It wasn't somebody else. Anyways, anybody else like that? You won't drink it? Really? You guys are weird. Anyways, um, I'm kidding. Know us by our love, not by our gifts. Know us by our love, not by our power. No, we are known by our love. Think about that. I think we're too worried about the wrong stuff sometimes. I think we ought to focus on what we think are the basics. Because the foundation then puts things like the gifts of spirit and the power of God in their proper place. You see what I'm getting at? Because when you are first the person of love... You don't ever get conceited in, your, in, the, in the use of the gifts of the Spirit. It, keep, it keeps you humble in your heart. You know what I'm getting at? So, uh, Tori talked about love last week. So, the second fruit of the Spirit that Paul lists is joy. So let's talk about joy for a few moments here. The, the Greek word for joy, by the way, is the word kara which is the root of our English word charismatic, charisma. Joy, charisma. Actually, the word for gift, as we find in 1 Corinthians 12, also has that same root. It's why we call it uh, the gifts of the Spirit. The people that believe in the gifts of the Spirit are charismatics. That's where that comes from. But joy is not happiness. Joy is an attitude of life that grows as the Holy Spirit develops you See, your happiness will be dependent upon circumstances. Joy stays true through all circumstances. 
See, you cannot be happy because of X, Y, Z that's happening in your life right now, but it should never affect the joy of the Lord in your life. So joy, this, this charisma, if you will, is grown in you as the Holy Spirit is able to work on you. Joy, in a certain sense, is a contentment. It is a certain satisfaction that is born out of our salvation. Psalm chapter 51, if you'll turn there. Psalm chapter 51 and verse number 12. So this is, this is David here. And um, by the way, the, the context of Psalm 51 is this. David, y'all know the story, got in a mess with Bathsheba, right? Then eventually Nathan the prophet comes and deals with David about it. Remember the story? By the way, little, another little side note, don't wait till Nathan comes to your life. Deal with things yourself. Because somehow, someway, Nathan comes, if you will, all right? David writes Psalm 51 in the aftermath of, of Nathan getting after him and bringing the word of the Lord to him about Bathsheba, and then the baby that was conceived in that died, okay? But Psalm 51, 12, David writes this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. See, there is a sense of your salvation that you catch. Again, this is, this is the understanding of what it means to be saved that brings an attitude that grows in your life that works through all circumstances, even the circumstances that at the moment make you unhappy. Because you understand that your salvation was, A, the biggest need in your life, and your salvation does not change regardless of what's making you unhappy in the moment. As a matter of fact, nobody can take your salvation from you. Right? So there's a joy in my salvation because I'm saved. I'm set free from sin. I have the, the ability to live abundant life. The, my, my eternal security, it's held in him. My eternity, it's there in front of me. I, I'm going to be living with him forever in, in whatever the state of new heaven and new earth is. And all these wonderful things you can conceive in your mind about it, the joy of your salvation. It's an attitude that helps you in your life for yourself by the way, but it also is an expression that people see. And there's something attractive about joyful people. Right? People, hey, you know somebody that is unwavering in their joy, even when in the moment their circumstances stink? And you're just like, how can you be this way right now? They've caught something about what it means to be saved. I mean, another song we sing, I don't remember the title, and we say, hell lost another one, I am free. <clears throat> when you catch that in your heart what that means, you'll be joyful. <laughs> My goodness, you'll be joyful. Hell lost another one, I'm free, joy, joy in my salvation. It is an attitude, it is an outlook of life that stays with me. 
One of the marks of the Christian faith is joy that overflows. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah chapter 8. If you go find that prophet. Nehemiah chapter 8. The story of, of Israel coming out of uh, captivity uh, to rebuild Jerusalem and, and, and the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 10. And this was uh, in, the, in the reading of the law and, and, and people uh, coming into strength in, in what uh, the Lord was having them do. And they said to them at the moment, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved, but this is why I wanted you to catch. For the joy of the Lord is your what? Strength. We draw joy from our salvation that the Holy Spirit grows within us in our understanding of our salvation. But you realize then when life is dealing you things that make you unhappy or circumstances that are tough, the joy that's growing with you in those moments can be your strength. See that. When we talk about things like uh, Philippians chapter 4, peace that passes all understanding when you present your request to God. Part of the reason we can have peace that passes our understanding because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Even when right here in the moment, it's not working out the way I'd like it to. But you know what? I'm still saved. God is still with me. And I know he's not going to leave me. Happy Valentine's Day to me. God loves me. Therefore, the fruit of the spirit of joy is evident. In that trial of a circumstance, it's not going to take my joy. Therefore, I'm going to have joy in the middle of this, and it's a source of strength for me. Because it reminds me of my salvation. And it reminds me of the God who is with me. And it reminds me of the God who loves me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That is why James, uh, the, the brother of Jesus, by the way, the early uh, leader of the Jerusalem church, can write something that seems crazy on the surface, but he can write, he said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Who in the world would want that? But why can you have joy when you face trials and the testings of your faith? Because my joy comes from my salvation, not my circumstance. The joy that comes from my salvation is a strength for me. And when I face trials and the testings of my faith, I see a bigger picture because I'm standing in joy because that testing of my faith will produce perseverance. And perseverance has to do its work so I can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's what James writes there. So I want you to ask yourself a, a simple question. And, and you can ask this of all the fruit of the Spirit as we're talking about these things. Self-awareness. Am I a joyful person? And you ask, 
So, so next week, we'll talk about peace and patience. Patience is the thorn in my flesh. I am, am I a patient person? No. It, that, that is the one of the fruit of the Spirit, and it's not just one of them, but that is the, the one that mostly is like me. I'm just like, mm, oh, really? Did you have to put patience there, Paul? I mean, really? Could we have left that off the list? But then, of course, when he did 1 Corinthians 13, love is, and the first one he put patient. Oh, great. I mean, he hits you at both spots. Um, when I am aware that I'm not a joyful person, what do I do? Just think, why well, I, just, I just can't do this. I, just, I can do eight of the nine, but joy is not happening. No, you start to pray. So not only am I not a patient person, but you guys remember I, I told this story a lot when we first came. I used to have a, when I was late high school, early college, I had an anger problem. Flip my switch, man, poof, it's like lighting a, a match. Boom. So it wasn't just patience, but then also the very last for the spirit is what? Self-control. I didn't have much when I got angry. I became self-aware. You know what I started to do? I started to pray, Lord, I pray that the fruit of the spirit of self-control grows in my life because it's not there. I just didn't give up and say it's just never possible. I've just been this way too long, or whatever, whatever the case may be. And it wasn't the next day. It wasn't even the next month. But over time of staying with the process of growth, I am not an angry, flip-the-switch, fly-off-the-handle person anymore. I told the story. I don't remember what made me mad. I was in college. I had a lazy boy chair. I picked it up. I threw it against the one. I broke the arm of the chair. For the rest of my college days, I sat in that chair and it leaned, leaned this way. I broke it. Just stupidity and immaturity, right? I don't throw things anymore. As a matter of fact, you, you would have to way, 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 way push my buttons to make me mad. Growth of self-control. It's evident in my life. Patience. I've, I've come a long way with patience. I'm, I'm the guy who wanted it last week. You know what I'm saying? Yesterday. No patience. But growing in that. I ask for it. Lord, help me grow in this. I need this. I want to be known by the fruit of my life that the Holy Spirit is working in me. I want to see people to see me in the different aspects of life, in, in what I do, what I say, my actions, my reactions to things, that that's the Christian life. And it's only possible because the Holy Spirit is active in you, because you're not that way by yourself, right? So if you look, I'm just not joyful really ever. Okay. But I believe that that's a fruit, a thing that can grow in your life. And it starts by asking. It starts also by catching yourself. So, so in patience, if I find myself in a moment where I'm lacking patience, I catch myself. And in those moments, say, Lord, help me right now grow. And you have to be self-aware. Sometimes after the fact, you've got to come back and apologize to people. 
to my wife, I'm sorry for my lack of patience. I'm sorry. I didn't treat you right in that moment. That also spurs growth in your life. Something about those words, please forgive me, that activates growth. So if you don't find yourself joyful, I, I would be praying every day, Lord, I want the joy of my salvation to grow within me. I want the joy of the Lord to be my strength. I want this attitude of life. I don't want to ride the waves of happiness. But I want joy. But, but again, I believe that God wants to fully be active in our lives. But I also know that we often aren't an active participant ourselves in it. Just like a good marriage is not something that happens by accident, growth in the fruit of the Spirit is not something that happens by accident. Yes, God works in us in ways beyond our understanding. We grow more than we think, I, I, we think sometimes. But it takes your active participation in asking and praying and being self-aware and, and, and listening to the conviction of the Holy Spirit when things happen. If you're not active in participation of it, you will stay the same. Amen? So you can look at like the fruit of the Spirit. Again, it's a list that Paul makes. It's not entirely all-inclusive. Jesus talks about some things in his sermon on Mount. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart. Right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So there, there's different things that we see that, that kind of paint a big picture of the Christian character that we grow into. You can look at these things like a list and say, you know what, I lack this, and I know I lack this, and I struggle in this. I'm going to key on working on these things with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because I, I am not satisfied until, like John the Baptist said, he is becoming way greater and I'm becoming way less. In other words, the character of the Christian faith. I firmly believe that the vast majority of our Christian witness in the world comes because they know a tree by its fruit. Yes, witness is sharing the gospel. Yes, witness shows up in the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God. Yes, but the vast majority of the Christian witness in the world shows up by the fruit of the Spirit and how you live in everyday life that people see. You, you, can, you can come in the church and, and sing, sing the, the songs and raise your hands. You, you can lay your hands on people to pray for them. You can do all sorts of stuff. Amen. But if you're in your workplace and, and you're not showing patience and kindness and goodness, what are we doing? We're missing the point. You see? So activate the help of the Holy Spirit in your life. Joy and attitude. If the church would be joyful, people would want to be around us more. They may ultimately reject Jesus, but the first step towards us isn't a rejection of us because we're jerks. Wow. Let me throw that one out there. If people reject the gospel because of Jesus and the, and the call, okay. But they shouldn't reject Jesus because the so-called believers are acting in contrary what the character of the Christian faith is. 
If they want to reject you because of sharing Jesus, great, but they shouldn't reject you because you lack the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Amen? Amen? Okay, good. Get that point home. All right, let's pray. Lord, Lord I thank you that, that you will grow us. And Lord, like the fruit of the Spirit, these are things that really draw out of the nature and the character of God, of Jesus, of, of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you the Holy Spirit is active in us growing these things. Yes, it, it takes time. Yes, it's a process. Yes, we're not perfect. But yes, we are growing. And I thank you for that. And I pray for those that are struggling with joy, just, just this attitude of life, that it begins to grow in them. And they feel that. They don't resist it, Lord. But they find themselves in moments that genuinely they would be unhappy, but there's just something different. And they feel content. And they feel satisfied and peaceful. And, and they feel a certain charisma in their hearts because they've been saved and set free and their eternity is secure. So I thank you for that. You're going to grow these things. You're going to grow these things in us and we're not going to forget about it. But we're going to be people who are in this long-term discipleship growing into your intention. So help us. Help us every day. Help us. We need it. Please, Lord, help us. And I know you will. And I thank you for your help. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. amen. All right. Well, thanks for being here tonight. Sunday, come on back. We're going to jump back into priorities. And I'm looking forward to that. So bring somebody out. Bring a friend. Uh, we'll see you Sunday morning.